we're live, happy and succeeding in the future of work. And today we have Ariella. I did it right, right? You got it right. From, hello, hello. From real. And what better way to have a guest on mental health March or May? We're in May, right? I don't know. I've lost track because it's like rainy and gray. It seems like September here in New York and New Jersey. But for Mental Health Awareness Month, Ariella is the person to speak with. And maybe you could tell the reason why, because you are running, you started up, founded, basically, how would you call it? A therapy, mental health awareness? A new form of mental health care, really. You know, we're, Real is building a new therapy model, and really what we're bringing to life is a way to make mental wellness an essential part of well-being, to make mental wellness a part of our everyday. So, you know, not only working on mental health care, but thinking beyond one-on-one -on -one therapy and instead building a new relationship with mental health where folks have access to this digital membership model and get to engage with mental health care every day. And what, what made you start to do that? Like there's so many different choices to build a startup. What made you go in this direction? Yeah, well, I've worked in mental health care for eight, nine years now. Um, and I became very passionate about it when I was an undergrad at Stanford when a friend had attempted to take her life. And that was really my big eye-opener as to what you know, mental health care looks like. And I was you know, emotionally distraught, pretty horrified by the system um, and didn't think it made sense, right? It was the first time I'd ever seen therapy, first time I'd ever seen a rehab, all through the perspective of my friend, but perhaps that allowed me to be a little more critical or thoughtful about like, do I think this thing works? And I didn't, I thought, I had no reason to believe it would work. So I threw myself at it and haven't stopped working on it since. Yeah, how's your friend doing? What should I ask? Uh, <laughs> yeah, transparently pretty poorly. I think the system never, I think the system failed her. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's, it's your mission to make it better for people like her that don't yeah. have to kind of suffer through this without, without the proper attention. And so how does it work? So let's say if somebody needs help, and I can imagine there's a lot of people, and this is kind of a weird way to talk about it, but we have to be, you know, open, no pun intended, real about it. You, know, you have two long years of, of a pandemic where people are miserable, depressed, anxious, stressed, fearful, get out of it. Seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And now we're looking at inflation, you know, World War III, prices going up. Now yeah. there's a lot of layoffs going on, hiring freezes, recession, stagflation. So I imagine there's a lot of people who are coming to you and saying, hey, help me. Are you seeing that? And what, what are people saying? Like, what are the help that they need? I mean, first and foremost, it's like we are social creatures and social animals in the past two years stripped us of that right so like connection we just completely lost for two years and i'm consistently hearing that not through just through real but through like my own social life and family life that people are feel a loss of identity a confusion of identity when they you know, didn't have any form like we are a byproduct of our community and most people didn't have that community for the past two years and now there's just this indefinite question of like, what is my life going to look like when costs have risen, people are, layoffs are happening. And so pretty consistently I'm seeing fear, panic, this sensation of 
law being lost and there's a lot of work we have to do to really meet people where they're at right now now how do you do that is it through one-on-one counseling is it online counseling group sessions yeah so real is building a new therapy model and i'll start by saying our goals with that therapy model is to ensure we build something that is scalable and affordable enough to reach every American, something that is clinically effective and something that meets people before crisis, right? A huge issue in mental health care is it takes an average of 11 years for someone to reach care after symptoms of mental illness, which is obviously a traumatizing experience for someone to undergo. And it's also just clinically a lot harder to treat crisis than it is to prevent it. And so what we're building is this monthly digital membership model, right? Where folks pay less than $25 a month and have access to monthly mental health tracking, and then a suite of on-demand therapy products and programs, then also live group offerings. And so while it might be a reductive example, real is pretty comparable to like a Peloton for your mental health, right? Where you can log on any time of the day, and there's always going to be programs. You can join a live experience and actually interact with our clinicians with a group or you can be joining an on-demand experience, which again, looks like, you know, if you might go on Peloton and join a Cody class that's on-demand, that's sort of what our programs look like. They're called pathways. And we have pathways for things like, there are all these topic-based therapy programs. So we have a pathway on forming a better relationship with your body image. We have a pathway on depression, a pathway on communication and relationships. And so our, our, our pathways really scale from like the, um, concerns, experiences, difficulties we experience every day um, to those more like crisis state uncertainties. So really it runs, you know, the whole gamut for the yep, need. Exactly. And, then, and then what is, so is it, do people feel more comfortable speaking to a live person, being in a group event, or just kind of yeah. being by themselves, listening to some pre-recorded message without having that kind of uncomfortable feeling that other people around? Yeah, I mean, it's the on-demand experience. Honestly, the, the what it enables mm-hmm. is kind of similar to what enables when you get to do a fitness class in your own time, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, when I'm not around people having to openly you know, use my identity, my name, my voice, my face with depression, I'm more likely to engage, right? The anonymity component, the, being able to engage a, on demand you know, check in whenever works for you means one, people are willing to engage with topics they otherwise are not comfortable doing so aloud, myself included. But also two, it means people are able to engage when and where works for them, right? What I like to say is if you want to go to a therapy appointment, be it a live one-on-one or a live group, both of which I support for different reasons, but if you want to get an appointment, you might get an appointment Monday at 1 p.m., right? And like Monday at 1 p.m., I'm figuring out how to log into this interview, right? I'm not tapping into my childhood traumas, but catch me Friday at midnight and I have shit to talk about, Mm -hmm. right? And so what we're actually seeing is for the majority of members, they're engaging late at night and really showing that like, what are the hours of the day we're most vulnerable? And when are we most vulnerable? It's usually late at night when no one else is around, and our goal at Real is to really meet people where they're at. How can we reach people when they're at what I call their step zero? When they're not yet ready to say this out loud, how do we meet them at the very beginning? And that's what this on-demand format is allowing for. So how does that work out, Ariella? So is it something already that's pre-taped or, or it's kind of AI driven to have a back and forth? 
Yeah. So our, our pathways are these eight session on demand programs. Mm -hmm. They are all like built, created ahead of time. And then they're, they're available on demand. So again, it looks just like if you have a Peloton bike, if you use Obey Fitness, it looks just like those platforms where you can just click in and see, you know, a session that was previously um, completed or done by, in our case, the clinician. Um, and so you're not live engaging with the clinician in that session. So if you want to live engage, you can join our group events where you have the chance to engage with those clinicians live. So let's say so. Well, what are some of the things that people come to? Mm -hmm. Is it depression? Is it substance abuse? Is it loneliness? Are there other certain themes that yeah. you see that's 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 really prevalent? Well, what's interesting, just the, to, to the topic of um community and loneliness, one of our most popular pathways is our friendships pathway, right? And the topics that are covered in that friendships pathway include isolation, identity, loneliness. And what we found is for a large portion of our members, the very thing they were battling with over the past two years was friendships, right? And this notion of like, who am I? And it, I would venture to bet that the pandemic driven world, the isolation that came with it really resulted in people feeling a confusion, loss of friendship in ways they never have before. So a, a surprise for me certainly was that our friendships, so many members were working through and battling with friendships. A second one, which is sadly not as surprising is body image, right? Body dysmorphia, eating disorders, et cetera. And I think that, um, Sadly, that's not as surprising. I think there's been a lot of headlines that speak to how much people suffer with that. Anxiety is pretty across the board dealt with, less surprising as well, though upsetting that we still have so many people battling with it. Those are a few examples. So let's say with, you know, loneliness, and, I, and I've seen it firsthand where, you know, you have a circle of friends and colleagues, but then now you're not going to an office and people being careful during the pandemic. And then you start kind of losing, you know, connections. And you then you realize, oh my gosh, this is really weird. And so when you kind of have, let's see, this on demand, did are they giving advice, you know, like feeding you advice? Yeah. How, how does that like work? Will they say, hey, yeah. here's what you should do, here's a to-do list or Great question. So these pathways are mm -hmm. truly like never before seen designed in-house therapy programs. And they bring together a, a like an array of therapeutic concepts from CBT to DBT to psychoeducation. And they walk you through like goes from like what is happening in your brain when you experience this, what it what are ways to name your feelings, what are ways to practice to identify your triggers, to practice behavior change. So take, for example, the forming a better, how to form a better relationship with your body image pathway. Again, that's an eight session experience. And these were all built over the course of like a year and a half, right? A whole lot of research and work went into building them that, uh, that how to form a better relationship with your body image pathway. You're pushed session one and session one walks you through where does our perception of body image come from? Right. And the therapist, whose name is Maddie Lucas, will walk you through like, I want you to think for the first time you heard your parent or guardian comment on their own body. Right. What can you remember that happened to you then? Right. And, and I want you to think for the first time you looked in a mirror and questioned the worth of your own body. 
when was the first time you wondered maybe if you're like stomach fat or your thighs look different than you wanted. And so we really are guiding you through the therapeutic journey of identifying, starting from a root cause, reflecting, where does my relationship with this topic come from? And then how did I respond at that point? And then like through these sessions or recessions, you're walking through, like, how did this recurringly show up in my life? What did that do to me? Where am I today? And then moving forward, how do I practice behavior change to look different, right? How do, how do I change my self-talk the next time I look in front of a mirror, right? How do I change my experience the next time I go to try on clothing? And so it's really like quite a um, personalized journey through from like reflection and analysis to behavior change and practice and evolution go forward over the course of these eight sessions. And again, like part of what makes real so innovative and new is that these pathways themselves have never before been built, right? And how they were built at real is inclusive of a clinical team, a research team, a learning design team, and a production team. Right. And so we really built out what is the experience of an eight week therapeutic journey in ways that, that hasn't been built before. And so this is a unique thing. So this is not common out there, you Correct. know, in the current thing. This is something that's specific. You've kind of decided, hey, we want to do something different, unique that we feel is more helpful. And I could kind of understand it because let's say I would want to go for some help. First, I'd have to set up that appointment. I'm going to feel kind of a little awkward and, you know, speaking to some, you know, receptionist would have her do it. Then I'm taking off of work, taking time off, like you said, go maybe in the afternoon. Then I'm seeing again, you know, going into the building, seeing the people there. And it's like, I don't know if I want to do that. Because now we've, you know, with, with, with everything online and digital, you become more attuned to like, all right, why do I need somebody there when I can kind of get it? you know, in a different format. So this way you can kind of hear the, you know, you can listen to the pathways and not feel that awkwardness, yeah. like that old school, you're lying on a couch and you have like someone looking like Sigmund Freud, you know, <laughs> asking you questions and it's really uncomfortable and weird and awkward. So here you're just kind of going through the whole, you know, whole sessions to, to really get some help. Yep, exactly. And not just the ability to do it on your own time without someone knowing, but the ability to like repeat and repractice, mm -hmm. right? Something so um, special or important about working on your mental health is that this isn't a one-time fix, mm -hmm. right? Just like with our physical health, we need to routinely practice running or, you know, muscle development in order to be fit physically. We need to do that with mental health too. And so often like you know, you might've had a great breakthrough when it comes to your mental health six months ago, and it doesn't mean anything to you today, right? It really requires repractice, especially when you think of like self-talk and a lot of these things that might've been so practiced into us as negative, it takes that same amount of practice to suddenly be positive, right? And so what real provides for you and what I think is so needed for people is a mechanism that allows you to repractice, right? Review sessions, rewatch sessions, really enable behavior change and emotional cognitive change in ways that is otherwise so challenging for us to really get. That makes sense because it's not like you could go get one session, whether it's real or anywhere else. And you're like, oh, 
all right, everything's done. I'm good. Yeah. You know, it's reinforcement. It's the same way you shower every day or you brush your teeth every day. You know, it's one yeah. of these things that you kind of have to keep doing again and again and again and again. Um, I mean, I, I guess hopefully with every, maybe there might be an end in sight where, or maybe not, maybe it's because part of your, your, your life to have that kind of support system, you know, that keeps you kind of keeps you tethered to, you know, moving forward and staying focused on it. Same way, you know, when yeah. you lose weight, you can't just say, okay, now I'm going to go back and eat big, I'm going to have carbs and cake and all that. And I'll worry about it later. You have to kind of just stick with it if you want to succeed totally. for the long term. Yep, exactly. You can pitch it better than I can. <laughs> So I'm the new spokesperson. So wait, wait. But you already have you already have some great spokespeople. I understand, right? We do. We are so fortunate to have phenomenal advocates for for real out there. Wait, wait you have who? Megan. I'm gonna butcher her name. Rapino, the the soccer star, right? Yeah, we have Megan Rapino. We have right. Eric Hendricks, Gwyneth Paltrow. All right, wait, wait. I gotta be who's Eric? I got him. I don't. Eric know Hendricks Eric. Uh, is uh, he's in the NFL. He plays oh, okay. Vikings. Okay, cool. And then and then. Who was the other one you said? Gwyneth Paltrow. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> so, yes. so, 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 can you give some insights to Gwyneth Paltrow? Or, or no, that's not really cool to do. And what I can share is, <laughs> I, I, to this day, I, I, um, I live under a rock when it comes to celebrities. Mm -hmm. um, though I will to this day stand for the fact that I think Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. really enabled, like, Goop has been really onto something. And it's, you know, has it's a specific point of view as to how it goes about that something, but you know, Gwyneth was cor correct in saying there is this form of care or medicine, if you will, that is so hidden and not communicated to the world. And so when someone, even if it's like acupuncture, yoga, massage, like these concepts that are so not socialized. And if anyone wants to learn about it, they have to go down like this deep, dark holes of Yelp. And so how can we actually storytell it and communicate it to a national audience or ways that I quite admire? See, I'm not familiar. So, so that's what I thought Goop was like, like makeup or something. So, all right. So I'm glad you- uh, Wellness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so now I'm, I'm, I understand it. Yeah. How about this where for the group therapy, mm -hmm. so that's where you, will you go in person or that's also online? all online right now. And I'm still figuring it out. I mean, something I'm so curious about is are people eager for, will people benefit from IRL interactions? It's not clear if we're at that place yet or if we ever will be. Like I'm uh, in this post pandemic world, I'm not sure what people's like IRL versus online engagements look like. No, oh, it's interesting because you know, I, I put myself in that space. I could see benefits of having people around me who are going through the same thing. Because if you have, because I'll give you an example, during the pandemic, yeah, I started this startup recruiter to help people find jobs and, and to, to teach them how to interview and all that kind of stuff. And then we would have these meetups and online meetups, we meetups. And what happened, you noticed people felt such relief because let's say, you know, um, let's say there's 20 people on this video call yeah. and, and they look at each other and they say, oh, those people look pretty normal. And then they start hearing that they're going through the same thing. Oh, I'm interviewing. I get ghosted. Oh, I'm interviewing. I don't have feedback. You know, no one's calling me. Recruiters yeah. are blowing me off and they feel it's just them. And then they, when they realize that other people are going through the exact same thing, you could literally 
Ariel, you could literally see it on their face that like, oh. Relief, oh, totally. I thought it was just, and they would say it after. It's like, I thought it was just me, Jack. I thought like it was me going through it. And like, I speak yeah. to my spouse and friends and they're like kind of blaming me. And then you look around and you see all these other capable, smart, you know, folks, you know, you know, not that this has to be, but college graduates, MBAs, JDs, all the, and they're going through it. And it's this great relief when you see other people. So yeah, on one I part, totally I could agree. see that value where you look around and you're like, oh, all right, it's not just me. There are other people. And like right away, you just calm down. I, I imagine, you know, you calm down and feel more comfortable. Yep, I'm totally aligned. Yeah. I mean, we so, we so rarely have what we so need. Again, we're social creatures is a sense of like, am I a part of it? Like, am I alone? Yeah. Am I the only one? And so- you know, what makes, what drives insecurity, self-doubt is feeling alone on these very heavy, hard, real topics. And ideally, you know, real will continue to innovate on our product and offer more and more ways for people to have, feel a sense of I'm not alone. And, and where do you see it going? Are there other, other means to help people like apps? Or, where do I, or well, there are two different questions here. Where yeah. do I see it going yeah. across the entire country? Okay. <laughs> when I think of real in five years, I think of real scaling across adults to teens, to kids, really building a platform that resonates with the entire country and building a means for us to work on our mental health always. Again, I think that really goal of real is how do we move from mental health care being something that, you know, 7% of our population engages with for one hour a week. How do we move from that into something that 100% of our population engages with every day, right? What is the tool for you to go to when you're suddenly having a panic attack before a hard conversation, right? And what is a tool you go to after you um, just received really bad news from your doctor and are stressed out? What is a tool that you go to after you were laid off, after you were broken up with, when you're just anxious at one o'clock in the morning? Right. When I think of real, real is a tool that is both there for you in those moments of uncertainty, but also equipping you such that fewer of those moments of crisis even happen in the first place. And we have a whole host, a lot of work to do to get there, not just on the product side, but like we're really inventing a new care model. Right. Our very understanding of mental health care wasn't built with this you know, service in mind. And so a lot of what our clinical team and our research team is innovating on is like, what exactly is the care needed to ensure we prevent crisis? We haven't built preventative care, right? And so real is really the first to be doing that. And when I look back in five years, I can't wait to say that we did it. And things change so quickly because if we had this conversation, you know, four or five, just say four years ago, and yeah. you mentioned about, young, you know, let's say teens, young adults, you know, we, you know, I might be, I don't know, is that really necessary? Now, studies and surveys show like young kids are having a really rough time. They had a brutal time during the pandemic. They're having a tough time now yeah. and for obvious reasons. So yeah, it seems like that's a market that needs to, to where they need help. Uh, you hear about the opioid, you know, uh, you know, it, uh, not only addiction, but people just, I think the CDC says something like 100,000 people died from whether fentanyl or other opioids. 
Um, and, right. and a lot of young people who are doing that. So, so they desperately need the help. It's clearly a big issue. And we have the issue also in alcoholism, right? We don't yeah. talk about it very much because we socialize yeah. drinking alcohol in ways we don't socialize opioid use, but it's hugely problematic how much pe people of all ages, particularly young adults are using and abusing alcohol, right? And we have this poor understanding of like, when is it social and fun? When is it a, a drug addiction or a, at least a substance use problem? We so rarely pinpoint that as an issue. And I think that's something that needs to be spoken about. So many people look to alcohol as a coping mechanism when they deserve better care. I agree with you. Like one thing, because I have, having kids in college, you know, what brings to mind is this, you know, you're paying, you know, 20, 30, 50, 60, 70,000 a year in tuition. And then your, your, your kids are going to be drinking and getting drunk. Now it's okay, maybe a little here or there, but just getting plastered. You're like, wait, this makes zero sense. It's yeah. not like in the forties or fifties or 30, 1930s, where if you went to college and you graduated, you know, you're set, you have it. Now that's not the case. Yeah. So, so to, to glamorize and, and, and turn a blind eye and say, yeah, start young, drink, and yeah. it's so addictive that it's going to last you the rest of life. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it's, it yeah. doesn't make sense that we kind of pretend that's normal and it's not normal. And, and if you say something about it, you say like, ah, what's wrong with you? It's, it's, it's your problem, not, you know, everyone else's. So there's just so many areas that need help. Yep. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause you know, it's one of these things that you see these things happening and I, you see this more than anybody. But as a Gen X or growing up, you didn't talk about these issues. Yeah. You didn't talk about burnout or mental health issues. Or if you did, people think you're weird. Yeah. Now, fortunately, the conversation is there. It's open. It's encouraged. So many companies I've spoken to, Ariel, that's a, such a big point that they're there they're, because they get it that yeah. if you have a burnt out workforce, they're not going to produce. Not only they're not yeah. going to produce, they, they're probably going to bring everything down because yeah. they're not coming and bringing their, the, the best version of themselves. And, totally. and, and at least we could talk about it now and they're concerned about it. I mean, these companies now having chief wellness officers. I know. I mean, we really need to dramatically. Yeah. I think what's so hard is that a lot of these really serious mental health issues are being put in the hands of employers. And I can tell you employers are not equipped and were never designed to be mm -hmm. solving for these mental health concerns. Right. And what do I mean by that? I mean, first and foremost, health insurance companies are not covering the mental health needs that employees need. Right. And so employees are looking to employers to figure out, can you cover care slash, you know, blaming a workplace and don't get me wrong. A lot of workplaces suck and, and need help. But I think what's important to name is that employers are being asked to solve for things that I don't think they have the resources to solve. Right. And if you talk to any chief HR officer or chief people officer of the past two years, they will tell you these are the two hardest years to run people operations of an organization because CPOs were asked to take on the, you know, the work of clinicians of, of a healthcare system and they don't have the resource to do that. And we're at a really important inflection point where I think healthcare companies need to be more thoughtful, more creative, more innovative 
when it comes to figuring out how do I solve this mental health crisis? Yeah. Have you, have you tried or are doing kind of B2B where you go to companies and have them offer your services as part of the benefit package? Yeah, so really this next year after we closed the Series B earlier this year and really um, all of last year was focused on enhancing clinical efficacy of our of our membership, of our products, such that this next year um, we really can scale, enhance the number of people who have access to Real via channels like B2B. So, you know, we've gotten a ton of demand from the employer side. Sadly, so many people are looking for mental health care and ideally this next year, we're really going to scale that across the country. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good move because they're, you know, you're, you're saying, I, now this is kind of lame, but yeah, like no Zoom Friday, but then other companies say, hey, we're closing down for a week and then another week later on in the year. So you could see there's a change that didn't happen before. So you're starting to see those differences. So they're becoming more aware. I mean, at Real, this quarter, we were piloting a four-day work week, as you know, mm -hmm. um, and really have been very intentional, thoughtful about questioning and answering, how do we build a mentally well workplace? And it's not easy that the workplace wasn't necessarily built to be mentally well mm -hmm. in the first place. <laughs> we've, uh, we've been very, we've tried. Wait, wait, are very, you trying to say that commuting an hour and a half to a building and then having to go, you know, through, let's say New York City, which is, you know, depending on, it could be a little violent, a little dirty, a little like rough. And then you got to go into, you know, this big sterile building, stay there for like 10 hours a day under fluorescent lights with the windows that don't open up. Are you trying to say that's not good for your mental health? I find that hard to believe. And then, oh, wait, wait. And then you got to, you got to commute home for another hour and a half or so. I don't know so, if it's mentally, in all fairness, I don't know if working alone in silos in our homes is mentally well That's either. not even great either, right? That's not, that, we're that's all not figuring so out how to make this better. Um, but yeah, I think the workplace, like, and again, it's because we, the people building workplaces were not equipped with the resources, tools, training to build mental wellness either. Like it's going to take a lot of rewriting, rewiring, um, to build a world that is mentally well. And I, I think when it comes to real, we're both building a product that does so for our members, um, but also trying to be thoughtful and intentional about how to build a mentally well world for our employees. And I'm so glad, you know, you're saying that, hey, we're trying it out. We're trying to iterate. We're trying to do like A-B testing to see what works because that's just an honest approach. And I think everyone else should do the same thing. It's like, Give you an example. It, coming back to the office coalesced around hybrid. But I don't know, is that the right one? Maybe, maybe not. But it's all of a sudden like, okay, hybrid, that's what we're doing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we have to be, and it, again, it's, like, it's hard. maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But it's like, okay, now we're going to do it this way. Instead of saying, well, you know what? Let's try it. Because I would have more respect for the companies and say, hey, let's try it because we got to do something. So let's yeah. try it. People want to be remote, but we feel like maybe all remote, everybody, maybe that's too dramatic for now, for whatever reason. Okay, let's do three. Let's see how it is. And if it works, okay. If it doesn't, let's change it. Instead of saying, nope, hybrid, this is it. No, I know. it takes so, and I, it, it's hard. I, I have to remind myself to keep using the word yeah. try because yeah. on one hand, 
you're sort of trained as an employer or a CEO to act with certainty. Exactly. People expect that of you. And good God, the past two years taught us none of us can act from certainty. But it's real. It takes humbleness and it takes just a real sense of humanity to be like, you know what? I don't know. But I have a hunch this is going to work for these reasons. It still might not. We're going to give it a shot for a quarter. It's hard. It's really hard. See, see that I, I appreciate that so much because I, going back to the pandemic too, if if the politicians, if you know, Dr. Fauci, you know, we're more like that. Say, hey, I, I believe this is what you we should do. You know, I'm not God. I don't know for sure this is exactly. I think this is true. I'm trying to make the best decisions I can. You know, I'm playing the card the cards the best way I can. I've been dealt. And I think more people, we wouldn't have all this like everybody attacking each other because no. then we would say, oh, that's very reasonable. <laughs> you know, they're saying, hey, no. we're trying our best. We've never been through this before. We no. don't know if it's going to work. We want to make it work for everybody. There's going to be bumps in the road. We're going to make mistakes. Bear with us and we'll keep trying. And I think the American public, and I can't speak for other countries because, you know, I just know here. Yeah. I think we would have been more like, okay, and, and rally together instead of going into different camps all fighting with each other, making things worse. Yeah. It's, I, I hear you. And it's, again, it's hard. I'm a human. It's, you like want to, people, the thing is at the same time, people do expect, I would argue people expect certainty and belief. Yeah. That's what people need out of a leader of like at times of uncertainty, at, at times of loss, I, I need my leader to be our like guiding force, lead me, like, you know, mm -hmm. beat the drum and lead me to certainty. And it's tough, you know, it's like, I, I can speak openly and share it's challenging to both be a source of certainty in an environment that has zero certainty, <laughs> like no right. certainty at all. And I was uh, just talking about mental health or founders last week with a friend who found, who wrote a book about his mental health journey and building a company. and. Part of what's challenging is you're so um, encouraged to speak honestly and genuinely about your mental health story, but at the same time, people are not accustomed to hearing that. Like, and so it's easier for many to, I guess I, from where I sit, if I'm being totally honest about nervousness or uncertainty, I would worry people think, is this company going under? Yeah. Like the CEO is this nervous and reality, like, no, we're all this nervous. We just don't say it, <laughs> right? It's so, it's so true. It's you know. Yeah, it, it can be, and for, for men, I think it's even worse. You can't, because if yeah. you do it, like you're weak. You know, if, if a man yeah. who's a leader is kind of come across wishy-washy, forget it, it's all over. Yeah, and if you're a woman, you're too confident, you're going to be canceled. So yeah, it's, it's bizarre, it. <laughs> it's right? It's, see, that's a problem too, I think, with these things where we have all these kind of like, you know, this is how it should be. And then you have to follow along, which makes it harder, which creates mental health issues. <laughs> so there's just a lot of different challenges going on. So like a lot of it's societal, a lot of, you know, wow. pressure from that. So it's bizarre. We don't, yeah. We need to humanize one another more. We need, even when it comes to building a mentally well world, it's part of what's so worrisome is we don't humanize just yeah. people generally, right? And it's, it's the employers, the CEOs, the employees, those who are laid off, like, there are so many moments where we're, um, and we just weren't taught it. You know, whenever I see a, like, can you believe this person was X, Y, and Z? I'm like, of course I believe it. When were we taught to be better? What school system, like what role models, movies or shows growing up taught us to be more? 
vulnerable, to be more intimate, to be more human. Like we, these characteristics don't grow on trees. They have to be trained and developed into people. Again, behavior change, it takes day after day practice. And for the vast majority of people, myself included, the models we had growing up across you know, school, media, homes were not models that showcased vulnerability. You know, don't, don't laugh at me for bringing this up, but so watching Johnny Depp and Amber Heard in the trial, right? You look at it and say, wait, here are two extremely successful, put aside the trial, right? Mm -hmm. But turn back the clock. Two super successful people, uh, presumably extremely wealthy. You look at it like, wow, they have everything. And then when you watch the trial, you realize, wow, they're really, they're hurting. I mean, they are, they're going through, I don't know why, but there's so many issues there. And then it kind of wakes you up to say, wait, you look at people and think they have it together. They have the life. And then you realize, no, not really. They have it pretty bad. Like I wouldn't want to trade places with them. They seem in a very dark space. And I think that's what happens. Like underneath it, like you say, getting nervous. I think we all have that from you know, different things, but we just kind of try to hide it. Everyone, everyone has a story, you know, everyone has something they're going through and regardless of how it compares to what the next person is going through, it means something to them compared to what they've gone through. And we got to be more sensitive to that, more aware of that, more cautious of it. And I hope, you know, I, I hope real enables the country to do that better. That's great. And also, I think, I saw somewhere about, yeah, you have something with Revlon? Yes, we just launched our big partnership with Revlon and really um, showcasing a campaign around mental wellness being beautiful and acknowledging the complex relationships so many of us have with beauty and our mental health and doing so across, actually Revlon is one of our first employer partners. And also, you know, we scaled across something like 7,500 CBSs um across all you know this co-branded campaign with revlon that's great well that's fantastic congratulations that's awesome thank so, you i'm so proud so this is this is growing huh this is getting big <laughs> i uh it is of course it is jack what were you expecting now what is so when you said outside so uh, is it across the whole country for the for, for the offering so anybody anywhere yes. How about the world too? Is it like other countries Not as well? Yeah, and that's okay. really by choice. Like if we wanted to legally, we could, but we have personally chosen that we think the care we're delivering today is pretty like culturally driven or yeah. by American norms and would want to be very careful and thoughtful about scaling outside of the country. So if people wanted to find you and find your company and check it out, how does it work? Would, would there be a, is there a free session available or how, how does it work and how can they find, how can they yeah, find the real? Folks can go to join-real.com and um, they can sign up there. And uh, if they wanted access to a month off, I want to say that's available in our website <laughs> right now, but I'll have to follow up. <laughs> So they could check it out and then they could sign up. They could talk. Well, in, in, if they want to sign up, they could have like a one-off or two-off to see how it is. How does that? 
Yeah, I mean, so we have a month, we have a monthly, a six month and a 12 month membership. So mm -hmm. folks can sign up for the monthly membership, which again, right now is something like $25 a month and check out one of our pathways. Give me some feedback. That's great. Well, this is awesome. So this is, you know what, we need more of this, you know, it shouldn't just be, you know, a certain month and say, okay, this is mental health awareness month. I think the way we are now, it has to be every month, <laughs> every day has to be it. And uh -huh. I don't, I don't mean to touch on a third rail, but I think when we hear even about all these mass shootings, the undercurrent to me, my own you know, observation, I think a lot of it's mental health oriented. Yes, it's guns. But when you see these people do it, you could see there's something they need help, at least in my opinion. So I, just, I think we need more. I would argue all forms yeah. of harm, all forms yeah. of violence. Oh, sure. You know, from some bit of mental illness. Absolutely. Being unheard, of being left out of anger, hatred, like, you know, even violence in the form of yelling and screaming, they come from some right? you know, deeper rooted mental even, health concern. Or even during the pandemic, how many times did you see somebody just fighting in a supermarket, just completely losing control? So I yeah. think I think what you're doing is so important. I think this is something as a society we have to be able to talk about. We have to we have to take action, and we need more of you know places like Real to help people out because it's not getting better. Let's be honest. I agree. We not, need more so people we like do, Jack that bring Real to the <laughs> forefront. We're lucky to have well, you. Well, that's can I tell you something seriously, Ariel? Yeah. That's what I like doing these podcasts about because to me, my own like like my own uh, framework is this, like you turn on cable news and you have a bunch of people in these boxes just yelling and arguing with each other, nothing gets done. Social media, everyone's fighting and arguing with each other. It's ridiculous. And, but there's so many people like yourself who are doing good things and trying to improve people's lives, trying to make things better. And you don't get those voices out there. So I figured, hey, if I can do that, I could do my small part. And you know how that is, Ariel. If everyone does a little part, then it starts making a big difference. So I, I love when I'm able to speak to people like yourself who are trying to move the needle and make it better and improve people's lives. That's just fantastic. I think that's just so great. You know, if, if, if somebody who watches this signs up and, and their life is better and they have a better relationship with their family and their children, wow, that's great. You know what I mean? Like we did something positive. So, so I, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all the good work you're doing. I appreciate you saying that, and I'm excited for a future that is more real. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. Amazing. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.